Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Hey, Local Church, hope you guys are doing good. Thanks for tuning in with us today. My name is Tyler and I'm so pumped because we're gonna be continuing our series that we've been in and we've titled it Compelling Christianity. Put simply, this is what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Jesus is a compelling person and our faith and our lives should embody that. And the last couple of weeks, Levi has been taking us through one of Jesus' teachings and we find it in the Bible and it's called the parable of the wedding feast. Let's read it one more time as we get started. Matthew 22, verse one to 10, it says this. Jesus spoke to them again in parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and even killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. A little harsh, but we'll give him a pass. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go out to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. As we read this story, we all need to recognize that this story is a commission from Jesus to us. And it's a picture of something that he wants us to do. To summarize, the, the father expressed his desire. The son is the one being celebrated at the wedding. The servants bring the guest and the guests respond to the servants. In this example, we are the servants. We are the ones who are meant to go out to the street corners and invite all of the people that we can, the good, the bad, the sinner, that annoying office mate that you have, that extremely conservative relative, that extremely liberal relative, the friend that everybody else has given up on. The Father has sent us, his servants, to go and bring all these people to the wedding, into the kingdom of God, into his beautiful, diverse, sometimes messy family. So today I'd like to talk to you about the faith that compelling Christianity requires. If I were to give it a title, I'd call it Street Corners and Deep Waters. If you're like me, you know, whenever uh, any preacher, any speaker starts to talk about evangelism and inviting other people to church and this, you know, example, inviting people to the wedding, into the family, there's two emotions that are kind of at odds on the inside of me. The one is, man, I'm amped, I'm stoked, I'm ready to go, let's go, let's change the world, let's be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, let's do this. But... There's this other very real emotion on the inside of me that thinks, oh dear God, 
that means I have to actually go and do something about it. And as I read this story about the the wedding and the servants and the guests and the father and the son, it actually reminds me of another story that we find in the book of Matthew, and it's just a few chapters before. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 14, and it's verses 22 to, to 33. So stick with me. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side where he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him, immediately, immediately uh, when the disciples saw him, they were walking on the lake and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out onto the water. So come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When we begin to talk about going public with our faith, when we begin to talk about going out into the streets and inviting someone to church or inviting somebody to a group or telling them about all that Jesus has done in our life, do you maybe sometimes feel like Peter in this story? Does it maybe kind of sound like, you know, going out into uncharted territory that you're unsure if you're willing to navigate? From this story, there are a few things that jumped out at me that I'd like to share because I believe that they're going to help strengthen all of our faith as we venture out onto the waters and into the street corner. So first up, the first thing is that we need to step out. The first thing that we have to get comfortable doing is taking the initial risk and getting out of the boat. You know, when the disciples see Jesus out on the water, at first they think it's a ghost. At first they're like, oh my God, what is going on here? It says that they were terrified. You know, imagine that you were, you were walking along the, the canal there and, you know, at first you just thought it was somebody paddleboarding. I'm always super impressed by those people, you know, shout out to Core Strength, good on them. And that, it's like, whoa, that's really cool. But then you realize, oh man, they're not holding a paddle. There's no board. You know, we'd be like, what in the heck is going on? We'd freak out. And I, I picture myself, you know, in their shoes, in the disciples' shoes in this story. And I think, you know, isn't this how we react a lot of the time when we see Jesus at work in a situation? Think of the times you felt the Spirit of God prompt you to invite someone to church or considering telling your coworker that you're, you're praying for them when they open up about a difficult situation that they're facing. It can look scary 
and it can look confusing. You know, the, the text says that the waters were, were stormy and that there was wind and, and waves. And I can imagine the disciples kind of having to like, like they see something out in the distance and then they're having to, to kind of squint and make, and you know, kind of figure out like, what, what is that going on? And then they realize, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. And what I love about that story is that they leaned in to their curiosity. I think far too often when we sense that Jesus might be at work, we see Jesus walking on the water in somebody's life that he wants us to get involved in and invite into the family. We immediately maybe get afraid or we immediately, you know, are are confused and we just kind of say, no, not for me. But I would just encourage you, man, be like the disciples when that curiosity happens, when maybe the fear starts to rise up, lean into it. Squint your eyes, Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do in my friend's life, in my family member's life, in my coworker's life? Because those are on the water moments. They seem scary and confusing and intimidating, but it's moments like these where Jesus is out on the water and he is inviting us to join him. You know, Peter was a loud mouth, he was kind of arrogant and, and at times almost frustrating but man, for, for all of Peter's Peterisms, he got out of the boat when nobody else did. I, uh, I have this coworker, and his name is Norm, and he's this really earnest, sweet, older man. He's 55 years old, and he lives out in Canada. He's lived in the Ottawa area his, his entire life. And a few weeks ago, we were talking, and we were just kind of getting to know each other a little bit. And I was telling him how wife, uh, how wife, I just called Jane wife. I don't use her first name. Um, it's a lie. I definitely, you know, just going to move on from that because that was awkward and weird. I was telling him about how Jane, my wife, was traveling for work and, you know, I dropped her off at the Ottawa airport and she was down in Nebraska doing some work and I was saying like, man, the Ottawa airport is so small, like, you know, compared to the, you know, to the Toronto airport where it's just massive and like kind of confusing. I was like, oh man, I would imagine, I didn't go inside, but I can imagine it's way simpler to kind of navigate. And he just said, oh man, yeah, I've never been to Toronto. And I was just like, oh man, crazy. And you know, just kind of like working away the next couple minutes and then kind of hit me and I was like, oh, hey Norm, what do you mean? Like, you've never been to the Toronto airport? And he said, no, I've never been to Toronto. Man, Norm has lived in Ottawa, in the Ottawa area his whole life, 55 years, but he's never driven four and a half hours east to Toronto, the, the biggest city in the country with this amazing culture and food and the Toronto Raptors. Come on, bro, Norm, you gotta get going. And it was funny, the reason he said he, was never, he, he had never been is because he hated traffic. And like, that's fair, I get it. Toronto traffic sucks. Ottawa, that's not traffic, man. That's just like, you know, a kind of busy day. Go to Toronto, go on the Gardener between like, man, 2 p.m. and 6 p.m., you're not going anywhere. So I get it, Norm. I get it, but man, how many of us aren't willing to take the journey out onto the waters because there's something holding us back? Maybe it's not traffic like Norm, but how many of us are are afraid and unwilling to take the first step? What's holding us back? Fear or doubt or many, any number of things. Man, my prayer is that God would give us the spirit of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six, verse eight says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responded and he said, here I am, 
send me. Guys, miracles take risk. People getting saved takes risk. Making an impact in our city and beyond takes risk. But man, on the other side of our risk of venturing out onto unknown terrain, that's where God begins to do the miraculous. That's where God begins to change people's lives. That's where we begin to see the supernatural take place. But if I could just quickly offer some some comfort, some potential maybe travel insurance for your voyage out onto the deep. You know, I was thinking about this verse and I was thinking about how Jesus asked Peter to walk out in the water or, or Peter rather, you know, says, Jesus, if it's you, call me out. And he goes and Peter's just walking on water. And I was thinking about how walking is just a really familiar action that, that all of us do, you know. And Peter himself was a fisherman. He was used to the nature of the waters. You know, he was doing something familiar in a familiar place, but something unfamiliar and miraculous was taking place. You know, some of us might not get out of the boat because we're afraid of the unknown. We might think that our entire lives have to change, but I just really believe that, that God wants to do unfamiliar things in the familiar places of your life. He wants to breathe on the natural and he wants to make it supernatural. Come on, in your family, at your school, at your job, in your building, at your coffee shop. I believe that when you arrive at these, these seemingly mundane places, that you, you, know, you don't have to like stand up on your chair in your cubicle and yell at the office and you know, just yell at like the Sermon on the Mount from like memory. Like that'd be really weird if you did that, and, but kind of impressive because you'd have the whole Sermon on the Mount memorized, but just because you can do it, you probably shouldn't. Anyway, I digress. But I would just suggest, man, do what you know how to do in a supernatural way. Another way to say it, you know, kind of in Bible language is do everything that you do unto the Lord. Give the best presentations. Be the most generous tipper. And all, because all of these things are an amazing witness to those around us. Just walk, just, just, you know, there's just grace on it. There's this lightness to it. And I believe that even when you muster up the courage to invite someone to church, I believe and I pray that it's going to feel strangely familiar, that it's going to feel like walking, that it's going to just feel like you're, you're doing what you were absolutely created to do. So man, we need to get out of the boat and onto the water and we'll just begin to see the supernatural begin to unfold all around us. The next thing that happens after Peter stepped out of the water and what we need to do is step toward Jesus. It says in verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus didn't give him instructions, but he gave him a direction. And where was that direction? It, it was towards him. Jesus was saying, come to me. Jesus didn't say, now when you get out of the boat, make sure that you, you know, step with your left foot first and then you're right and then like, wait a second and do, do all that. No, 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 no. All, all Jesus said, he didn't make it complicated. All Jesus said was, just, just walk towards me. Hey, Peter, hey, son, just, just keep walking toward me. Our Christianity will become truly compelling when we commit ourselves 
to the presence of God, when we commit to moving towards an intimate relationship with Jesus. You know, attempting to go out onto the street corners and, and out on the water and inviting people to this wedding banquet without the presence of God, without the power of God, without a deep, intimate relationship with God is like bringing a knife to a gunfighter, trying to cut down a tree with a, with a butter knife. You know, it's, it's possible, but it just might not be the best option. A couple of verses, Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Come on. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Exodus 33, verse 15. Then Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. If we're going to walk on the waters, if we're going to be his witnesses on the street corners and to the ends of the earth, we need his power. We need his presence to go with us. So really quickly, here here are just four ways that, that you can move towards an intimate relationship with him. Really quickly, really practically. Number one, come to church and get involved. Boom already doing it. You're at church, you're tuning in online. Man, take a next step. Join a group, join a team, check out our website, see how you can get involved more. Number two, download the YouVersion Bible app on your app store and start a reading plan. Statistics say that you're way more likely to to keep up with a daily Bible reading uh, routine if you just are on a plan. So do that. It's so simple. Uh, you can get set it up so it's a notification. It's just gonna it's gonna continually move you toward Jesus. Another one, just throw in some worship music, man. Throw in some hill song, throw in some Maverick City, just throw in whatever it is that gets you going. And and, and number four, build up the habit of prayer. You know, start with the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew chapter six. It's right there. It's this really short, simple prayer. And even just begin to kind of personalize it just a little bit and, and believe that it's gonna happen in your own life. And I just believe that if you commit to these really simple things, that, that it's just gonna keep you on track and walking toward Jesus. You know, something fresh and something new is gonna begin to, to bubble up on the inside of you, and it's gonna begin to overflow into every other area of your life. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just believing this for our church, all of a sudden, you won't be able to contain what God is doing in your life. And now all of a sudden he's moving and he's speaking like you've never experienced before. And all of a sudden you're living a faith-filled life out on the water. I really believe that, that going public with your faith starts with what happens when, when nobody else is looking. You know, said another way, uh, outward effectiveness is formed internally and intimately with Jesus in relationship with him. You know, we, we need the presence of God. We need the power of God to go with us on the water and in the streets. You know, if we try to, to reach our city and reach our family and reach our friends in our own strength and in our own direction, there may be some times that we begin to sink down into the water. And, and the third thing, that's what I want to talk about, is when we sink, we need to ask Him for help. Verses 30 and 31 of our text, it says, But when he saw, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? 
You know, inevitably there will be times when we start to sink. You know, we'll find ourselves somewhere between the boat and Jesus. And the waters are going to start to feel like they're rising all around us. We stepped out because we knew Jesus was calling us. And we've been doing our best to stay empowered and encouraged by his presence. And we've been loving that neighbor as best we can, even though they're super like super late, super loud late at night. I apologize, Cat Andrada, you know, not because I'm too loud, but you know, just, I apologize. They're my neighbors. Just anyway, you know, our neighbors have been loud, but we're just trying to love on them. We're trying to believe that God's going to do a work in their life or that family member who's just been asking questions about our faith. And somewhere we realize along the way, man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. This is actually really hard. And We see Jesus there and the boat back there and we're kind of just in the middle and it feels like we're beginning to sink. When we sat out on the water, we were full of faith and excitement and passion. But every so often we get distracted or discouraged when things start to get hard and all of a sudden we find ourselves knee deep. I want to look at at a story from from Mark's gospel about a demon-possessed boy. It says, so they brought him, they brought him to Jesus and when The spirit inside this boy saw Jesus. Immediately it threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around and he was foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From from childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire and tried to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And then Jesus responded, if you can. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, and this is it right here, I do believe, but help me overcome my own belief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and you mute spirit. He said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently, and it came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I do believe, help me overcome my own belief. And it's one of my favorites because it so perfectly describes how I feel so much of the time when it comes to to walking walking by faith and desiring the supernatural in my life. You know, I I believe, I do, deep in my heart, I I know it's possible, I know you can do it, Jesus, but, but, but strangely, there's this other part of me at war with that faith. It questions and doubts what I know to be true, and I need Jesus to help me overcome that unbelief. So I think that if we're going to walk out on the water and go into the street corners, that this is one of those prayers that we all need to pray regularly. Help me, Jesus. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Every time you invite somebody to church and they say no, and you feel rejected and discouraged and you swear you're never going to do it again, man, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When you pray for that miracle and it doesn't pan out, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When it seems like the world is going to hell in a handbasket, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You know, at the end of this story, after Peter has sunk, Jesus comments on where his level of faith is at. He says to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I've always read this and kind of thought to myself, like, Jesus, you're kind of being a little little harsh in this moment. Like, Peter just 
walked on water. Like, to my knowledge, I don't know anybody that's done that. I'm sure Caleb Gronoweg has probably tried it at some point, but I don't know anybody that's done it, and that's pretty crazy. That seems like some big faith, but, but Jesus says that he had little faith. What, what's all that about? And I think it begins to make a little more sense as we read what happens at the end, uh, uh, end of this story and as they get to the other side of the water. Matthew 14, verse 34 through 46. That seems wrong. I think it's 34 to 36. It says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the, men, when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. You see, once Peter and Jesus got back into the boat, uh, all of a sudden the wind ceased and the, and the storm begins to die down. And then it says that all the disciples begin to worship Jesus. And they say, truly, you are the Son of God. And I think this clues us into the whole point of the story. You know, Jesus was putting them in a situation where they could recognize his power, where their faith could mature and grow and increase. Why? Because he had something powerful in mind for when they landed and got on the other side. And I believe that what happens when they got to the other side is what awaits us if we're willing to step out, if we're willing to step toward Jesus, and we're willing to ask for help when we begin to sink. And what was it that was awaiting them on the other side of the water? Miracles, supernatural, people getting healed. What if the same is waiting for us on the other side of the deep water? What if it's in store for our city? What if it's waiting in store for our neighborhoods, for our families, for our schools? Come on, I believe that, that God is ready to do something new in your life, in our life, in our church, in our city, that he is ready to pour out his spirit in a brand new way where people both spiritually and physically sick can get healed, can get, can get saved, and that we're gonna experience renewal in our city, in our country, and healing all across our land. But it's gonna require a people who are willing to step out on the water and into the street who are committed to walking toward Jesus with all that they have and who are willing to ask him for help whenever the winds rise and it starts to feel like they're sinking. So as we close this message, let me ask you a question. What is the deep water that you need to step out into? More specifically, who is waiting at the street corner that you need to invite to the banquet? Can we try something together just really quickly? Can you all just close your eyes? I want you just to take a moment and, and think about who that might be in your world. Who is it that needs an invitation? Come on, wherever you're at, just close your eyes just for like just a couple seconds. And I just want you to, to just, you know, begin to maybe think about it and prayerfully consider, man, God, who is that person? And as your eyes are closed, I just want to pray this over you. God, I pray that you would begin to reveal to all of us who, who it is in our life, in our world that needs the invitation to the wedding, that needs the invitation to the banquet that's on the other side of us stepping out on the deep water. Holy Spirit, would you reveal and impart who that is and what we can do, how we can love them, how we can, can let them know more about you, Jesus. I pray that that picture would become clear, that, that if it's kind of blurry right now, that you would clarify. God, put a burden on our hearts. And I pray for your empowering presence to be with all of us, God, as we step out 
as we go out onto the street corner, as we get ready to invite people to church, as we get ready to invite people into your family. God, make it clear. Give us a burden. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and hey, just as we close, you know, maybe for some of you, the step that you need to take is simply toward Jesus for the first time, or, or maybe you used to, to walk with Jesus, you used to live out on the water, but, but recently it feels like you've maybe veered off course a little bit and you found yourself walking on a different path. The good news is that no matter where you're at right now, Jesus's hand is always right there and ready to grab you and he's always there for you to reach out to. You know, the good news, the gospel, the story of the Bible is that God sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life on earth and then die a brutal death on the cross in our place to offer us forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This was his grand invitation to all of us to join him at the wedding. You know, the Bible says in Romans that all have sinned and, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. In 2 Corinthians, it says, God made him, made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So today, friend, if that's, if that's you, and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, or you veered off course, I'd love for you just to, 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 to close your eyes and just to pray this prayer along with me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I've fallen short time and time again. I recognize that I need you to be Lord of my life. I thank you for your finished work on the cross and the new life that I get because of it. I commit my life to you. I love you. Amen. Hey, local church, I love you guys so much. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.